Hey folks, Kyle here. Thank you for listening. Just taking another quick second out here and add on uh, my own show. Figure this is a good time to remind everyone of these shows I got coming up. I'm in Eureka, California. I'm in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, and Oakland, California, all starting actually next week. Basically some dates in there. May 16th in Eureka, 18th in Portland, May 23rd in Seattle, and May 25th in Oakland. Doing my show hard to say, uh, this comedy show I'm working on about living with trigeminal neuralgia. I've gone on and uh, on enough about it on here. I really had a, a lot of fun out in, in Colorado last month, and people came out from the shows, and that was it's the best. Seeing people out at shows who, who like the podcast is just the best, and developing this show about the very odd and difficult thing I'm going through has been a pleasure that is unexpected and makes me very happy, and I'm very proud of the show. Um, like I said, the, I've got those dates coming up, kyleayers.com slash shows. Please grab tickets now. Grab them while you're listening to this. Send it to a friend. Tell them to come out. Seattle, Portland, Eureka, Oakland. Uh, I would love for tickets to get moving a little bit. And so would the venues that are emailing me. And they're just it's going to be a really good time. I hope to see you out. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Once again, kyleayers.com slash shows. Uh, y'all are the best. Thank you. The absolute the best. In a world where every conversation is about what movie or TV show you've just seen. This is Never Seen It. Comedians rewriting famous movies and TV shows they've never seen. Hello, everybody. Uh, Today's episode, the incredibly hilarious, very insightful, wonderfully nice Tim Baltz. Is on. Tim has never seen the show Entourage. I can't, it's hard for me to say it without saying it like how Michael Scott, Entourage. Anyways, Tim has never seen Entourage. You may know Tim, he's in uh, the show Righteous Gemstones on HBO, which is very funny. Check it out if you have not watched it. Uh, Danny McBride, it's hilarious. John Goodman. Tim is so incredibly hilarious. Maybe the funniest improviser I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we're also joined by Daniel Shar, who who we you guys know we love. He's been on here before. Shar uh, and I actually used to go watch Tim do improv in Chicago all the time, and 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 we get into that a, a ways here in the episode. Uh, we we've got Tim's script for Entourage, which is so good and so funny. And then it, it kind of turns into like a comedy deconstruction talk time. We talk stand-up. We talk a lot of improv. Uh, pursuing comedy is very fun. It's it, it's also just, it was a nice talk to have. I, I think you'll enjoy it. I hope you do. You know, comedy nerd people, you got to like this podcast. You got to be that maybe. We get we talking we dive into it a lot. Um, we, we got some games and stuff. I think we tack them on at the end, but it, it is just really really nice to talk to Tim and to talk to Shar. And Tim's script is stupendous, and and one of them that I wish more than anything I had animation abilities for. It's very fun. I hope you enjoy it. Tim Baltz has never seen Entourage, but he rewrote it. And we read his script. And please, 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 if you're listening to this, the day this comes out, that means my album comes out the next day. This Friday, October 16th, my stand-up album Happiness comes out on Blonde Medicine Records. It was recorded pre-pandemic, 
So we got an audience. You know audiences. I have, if you don't, look them up. But you know them. We got an audience. December 6th, or Jesus, October 16th, which is the day after this episode comes out. October 16th. Please, you can get the album on Apple Music, Spotify, Google, Amazon. We got a crazy vinyl. If you like to collect these physical records, the, the record has... A 12-page lyrics insert. I'm not joking. (laughs) Like old albums used to have lyrics inserts. We have a lyrics insert in the record. It is full color. It is beautiful. You get limited edition stickers with it. uh, If you get the vinyl, all the stuff on my website, kyleairs.com, or find it wherever you find records. It's called Happiness. Uh, I'm very proud of it. It was a culmination of a lot of work from a lot of people and a lot of jokes over a lot of years. But we got an audience. We recorded it outside in Los Angeles. There's some weird stuff that happens that we get on the album. Someone skateboards through it. Uh, Cricket lands. Uh, It's very fun. I hope you enjoy it. Please, please get the album. Um, Stream it. Buy it. Get it on vinyl. Whatever. Tell other people to. I hope people listen to it. Um, thank you for listening to this. We're on Instagram uh, and Twitter. I'm at Kyle Ayers. The show is at Never Seen It Show. Uh, unfortunately, our before and after merch store was shut down for copyright infringement. Uh, we'll figure it out. But find us on Instagram and Twitter. Please check out my album, Happiness, wherever you get stuff. Um, and... You know, find me on Twitter and Instagram and you'll get see links to it. Kyleairs.com, links to it. You know how to find stuff. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy Tim Baltz has never seen Entourage. Hey everybody, this is Never Seen It. I'm your host, Kyle Ayers. This is the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen before. Today, having never seen Entourage is Tim Baltz. Thank you for being here, Tim. Oh, man, thank you. Honestly, I've never seen a second of this movie. I was surrounded by people that were like, yo, you haven't seen it for years. (laughs) Um, So I I was really, really pumped to write my script. Yeah. Uh, And maybe it can even be a spec that you can send out for some some work. Maybe they'll do a Zoom (laughs) reunion. Uh, We're also joined once again by Daniel Shard. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Kyle. Have you seen Entourage? I saw every episode of the show, but I did not see the movie. Oh, okay. Well, this definitely doesn't incorporate either one. (laughs) (laughs) Although it would be so funny to get a reunion show and just have them cold read this script and be like, what the fuck, man? You prick. Is this what you think of us? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, We'll get Josh Gad to to loop everyone together for a Zoom reunion. (laughs) Can you imagine if he, because he tweets it like the most harmless things. He's like, let's get a princess bride reunion. What if he was like, let's get a fucking entourage reunion on Zoom. There's no way anyone from this show has Twitter. I just I just don't know if Jeremy Piven is is very online these days. Oh no, he's pounding sushi in Evanston right now. <laughs> There's a hundred percent chance Jeremy Piven is working every indoor comedy club. Like, there's, there's a comedy club that is not socially distancing their audience members. Jeremy Piven is saying, "Do you remember to them?" 
two hours, no jokes, personal stories. You cannot move. <laughs> you can't move. <laughs> I, the bouncers are set to cough on you if you try and walk out of here right now. Uh, anyways, welcome to the chuckle fuck. We are here in uh, <laughs> Springfield of every state. <laughs> Take your fucking masks off. I can't see your mouth laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking earlier with uh, I, I hate doing the Zoom stuff It makes me feel crazy I hate there, It's not as organic to me to have to ask everyone like If their inputs are set up right If this is correct And I was talking with Ed Larson earlier about how we're. It's like the equivalent if they were like Alright, before you go on stage Make sure you assemble the stool <laughs> Like, well I just want to focus on the jokes Like, yeah, where are you going to set the thing next to the jokes Like, I don't know if I'm I'm not good at assembling stools and Like, well it's going to fuck up your whole set <laughs> I was going to say You're kind of acting like a stage manager uh, So far on this Zoom Thank man. you, and uh, uh uh, Daniel Shar, your turn to say something here. Yeah, Kyle. Just in general, I hate you, and I wish you would do everything differently in life. <laughs> Great. All right, uh, let's start the recording now. Uh, I'll record a new intro before we get everything going. <laughs> I don't know no. if I've seen Entourage. I, that's literally. I don't think I've. Maybe I've seen some of the show. I know it had a lot of celebrity cameos uh, playing themselves. I think. I've got one of those in this script, I guarantee you. I set my script in 2008, so I think this cameo is going to hit real hard. <laughs> um, uh, you go ahead and cast it up. Before we get into like spoiling other entourage tropes before your script, uh, let, let's cast it up and let's do it. And if there's anyone in the cast you want to... You don't have to tell us all right now if it's like a spoiler or something when they show up. You, don't have to, you can cast it when they show up if you want. Ooh, that's a great point. Okay, the one spoiler is if you're in the script, the first actual page of the script, not the cover page, obviously. Um, so, Kyle, you are Vinny. Okay. Okay, you're, I, I think, the hero of Entourage. Not sure. <laughs> uh, so you're Vinny. Um, Shar, you're going to be the second guy on the page. You see that? You got it. Yeah, okay, that's our big celebrity cameo. It's C-O-S-B-Y. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure it's not a typo. <laughs> you are the most famous man in America. <laughs> no, no, okay, I'm topping my script already. He I listens can't do that. to this, so we can't. No more bits. Stop the bits that are better than my script. Stop it right now. <laughs> Tag out. <laughs> uh, I've been in so many shows where I was like, "All right, I'm on a roll, and I'm tagged out." Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> Then, Shar, you will play Ari Gold. Hell yes. Um, I'll be Eric. Uh, I'll also be Turtle later on. Um, let's see. Shar, you're going to play the uh, the valet. Okay. And you'll also be the model later uh, why on. Why do I feel like this is how they actually cast it? <laughs> I mean, probably. <laughs> they were just like at the comedy store, and they were like, all right, you'll be Ari. And... <laughs> You got to admit, like when you look at the cast list, I mean, I, I really barely know anything, but I get that it's about an entourage of guys in Hollywood. One of them is an alpha stud, a hot guy, and the rest are just like kind of like, you know, sucking up the vapors, fumes, living in the wake, uh, all that. And it really is like it's kind of it's out of central casting. Like they, it's cast really well. You look at it and you're like, yeah, I get who all these people are. Yeah. 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 I think a poster... You can get a lot across just from looking at the poster for the show. Like, you kind of know what everyone's, maybe even everyone's relationship with each other. Yeah. Oh, Shar, you're also Johnny Drama. Yes. <laughs> I, I can see him on pins and needles. 
a very Johnny, Johnny dramatic moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how, like, how do we kick this off? Whenever we want it, you'll do the the stage directions are wall to wall here, and it's just whenever you want to go. Okay. Uh, well, first off, uh, before any good script read, you got to say, guys, thank you so much for doing this. I absolutely will pay you back in turn. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Exterior, big Hollywood agency building, day. Vinny Chase, young, handsome, sexy Hollywood A-lister, pulls up to the valet stand in a black convertible Lexus. He's wearing aviator shades. He tosses his keys to two people waiting outside. Keep it running, dorks. We're not valet. We're Brian Krauss and Holly Marie Combs from the hit WB show Charmed. It's 2008. No one gives a shit about you anymore. Brian Krause and Holly Marie Combs are visibly devastated and speechless. They know Vinny is right. They had their chance to enter America's great pantheon of sexy young pretenders while their tight bodies and taut faces were still in their primes. But they ended up on a show like Charmed, which will forever brand them as tween magazine fodder and cast, uh, and cast them into the slow toilet spiral of straight-to-DVD projects until their deaths in 30 to 40 years. Holly Marie Combs wipes the tears out of her eyes and does a bump of blow. <laughs> Interior, big Hollywood agency building moments later. Assistants run up and down a hallway lined with glass walls and doors. At the end of the hallway, in a plush corner office, we hear Ari Gold, a high-powered Hollywood agent and also one of the worst people alive, yelling into his headset. I will eat your butt, shit it out, and then make you sit on it so you look like you have the same butt, except it's except it's actually made out of my shit now. Then I'll go to IMDB with my IMD Pro account and legally change your stage name to My Butt is Made Out of My Agent's Feces. Vinny walks into Ari's office. His eyes are drawn to a poster that says, Everyone is a shithead. Don't let another shithead be a shithead before you can be a shithead. Always be a shithead. He chuckles to himself. Life is funny when you're adorable and sexy. I gotta go. Fuck off. Vinny, baby. Hey, hope I'm not interrupting. Not at all. That was Alexis Bledel from Glilmore Girls. <laughs> hey, I got you some sushi. Do you want some sushi? How about a magazine subscription? A motorcycle? Anything to make you happy, Vinny, baby. Piss in my mouth. I'm good. Just picking up a residual check from when I did that guest spot on 7th Heaven as the cokehead abortion doctor. One of your best roles. Hey, Sony really wants you for that sexy Timothy McVeigh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Let me take that again. <laughs> hey, Sony really wants you for that sexy Timothy McVeigh movie. It takes place in the 24 hours after the bombing when he's hiding out in Tulsa neck deep in hookers. All you'd have to do is shave your head. Sure. Sounds good. I'm out of here. Vinny starts to walk out as Ari gets back on the phone. Okay. Love you, baby. Ari gets back on the phone. Hey, it's Ari. I hope you have a bowl and spoon ready because you're about to eat my hot lava shit fresh out of my volcano anus. I will never negotiate with the WGA. Agents are the only real creatives in this town. Do you know anyone else that can take a phone call and also read their emails the entire time they're on the phone, thereby giving the person they're talking to the impression they're listening when really they haven't absorbed a single thing they've said? <laughs> Camera follows Vinny out of the office. He's smiling and shaking his head at Ari. His agent sure is a disgusting piece of shit, but like, it's funny. <laughs> Vinny walks down the hall to the elevators. Everyone is looking at him. He's so hot. He's such an it boy. Women are so turned on by him that they're doing that thing they do when they're really, really turned on, biting their lower lip and gently touching their own necks. 
Even the guys are getting turned on too. They're popping boners like Pinocchio noses, and it's making their slacks stretch out so hard that their belts snap off. It makes a sound like patoing. Vinny gets on the elevator and looks at all these sad, normal-looking, horny losers and smirks. He knows how fucking hot he is. At the valet outside, the agency his uh, at the agency his car is waiting for him. He hands the valet a one dollar bill. The only way to stay on top is to tip poorly. Hey, I'm not going to say a word to a hot guy like you. Besides, if you tip too much, if I tip too much, you won't work hard anymore. The valet's belt pops off. Patoing. <laughs> Vinny drives away. He's on fire today, and he's so cute. Exterior, golf course, parking lot. Later that day, Vinny, Eric, and Johnny Drama just finished a round of golf and are enjoying some cold beers. Everything is about showing off. If you're not showing off, you look like some kind of poor idiot. You gotta be flashy. Eric and Drama are nodding. Both of them are smoking cigars, but doing it wrong. They have half the cigar inside their mouths, and they're kind of sucking on them. <laughs> Hollywood wants really hot, flashy people to pretend that they're the sloppiest idiots alive. That's who regular people want to jack off to. I mean, I get the hot, flashy part. Who doesn't like <laughs> jacking off to that? Absolutely, dude. But why the sloppy idiot part? Because that makes you approachable. Here. Vinny hands Eric an adult diaper and points to a lady getting out of an Audi Q7. <laughs> Go ask that model to help you put on this diaper. What? It'll never work. It'll work. Just make sure you tell her you don't know how a diaper works so she thinks you're stupid. And then also be flashy. Eric works up the courage and walks over to the model. Excuse me, miss. Ew, what, you sad little dork? I've never put on an adult diaper before. Do you think you could help me put it on and then walk me to my Jaguar sports car? Oh my god, yes. You're cute. <laughs> Drama pulls his shades down the bridge of his nose and gives Vinny, Vinny the Obama terrorist fist bump. Vinny, you're a legend. Hey, I just know what people like. Exterior, Turtle's house later that night. The crew rolls up to Turtle's house. It's a total dump because Turtle is a low-status moron. <laughs> they ring the doorbell, which is an eight-second-long juicy fart sound. <laughs> the, guy, the guys are all wearing regular shorts with sleeveless t-shirts. Turtle answers the door wearing a regular t-shirt and crotchless shorts. <laughs> Vinny, Eric, and Drama all react. Whoa. Whoa! Turtle, we said we were all wearing shorts and sleeveless shirts today. Aw, damn. I thought you said shirts and crotchless shorts. I'm an idiot. Yeah, you are. The guys high-five for three minutes while Turtle looks on. All right, let's go inside. Interior, Turtle's dumpy house, continuous. Turtle's house sucks. Everywhere you look, it's depressing because he's the worst character on the show, and that needs to be reinforced every time he's on screen. His kitchen counter is covered in pumpkin pies from Albertsons. What the fuck is this shit? It's the middle of July. Hey, never mind about that. Turtle, turn on the pay-per-view boxing fight we all came over to watch. Turtle turns on the TV and a porno starts playing. Whoa, what the hell? Oops, damn it. Turtle... <laughs> Turtle fumbles with the two remotes in his hand and drops them both in a bowl of water he was using to clean his nasty feet. <laughs> the remotes short circuit. Looks like the guys are stuck watching this porno together. No. Turtle, you worthless piece of crap. Guys, relax. This could happen to anyone. Sure, it happens to Turtle pretty much every time we come over, but that's not the point. The point is that all of us, we are an entourage. In rapid succession, we hear two loud patoings. Eric and Drama have popped intense boners. <laughs> Turtle has two, but remember, he's wearing crotchless shorts. 
And uh, that means we stick together no matter what. Vinny grabs the back of Turtle's neck, a cool hetero move. No matter what. Thanks, Vinny. Without you, we'd all be losers. <laughs> so true. Now let's dig in. <laughs> the guys load up their paper plates with pumpkin pie and sit down to watch the porno <laughs> together. Camera slowly zooms out for five minutes while the sex sounds from the porno mix with the chewing sounds from the guys and their pie. Then the episode ends. <laughs> I think it's perfect. <laughs> I think it's, uh, <laughs> you really captured the essence of it. Um, <laughs> I, wow, the way they play off each other, it's like an improv. So you could be like a yes entourage. Ooh, I like that. You know what? I'm going to write that da- down. Tattoo ideas. <laughs> yes entourage. Um, uh. it, it is. Uh, that's all I really know about the show is that the cameos are all celebrities playing themselves, and it's kind of funny because the celebrities seem to have senses of humor about themselves. Bob is Saget it, yeah. had a big story arc. He was he was in there for he like became their neighbor, I think, and uh, the whole thing was that he's you know he's Bob Saget and he smokes weed. But sure, and... he was nice on that show. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that I, it, that came like so full circle? Where I think they casted him on Full House, be, knowing he's like a dirty comedian, right? Like, yeah. And then e- everyone knew him from that, and now they're like, I can't believe that guy is a dirty comedian, right? Yeah, it was so against type, you know. Mm. That's so brave. That, that <laughs> there's one thing I call Entourage. It's brave. Very brave. Um, is he on Fuller House too, or did they kill him off? I don't know. I know. Some Stamos is on it sometimes, or the older people are on it sometimes. I haven't seen Fuller House. My sister would know. I will ask her in a little bit. Okay, uh, I wonder she would definitely know. Yeah, did it get like? Did it get self-referential with where their careers went? Like, you know, are they like, ah, oh, Dad, like Bob Saget, like, you know, they killed him off because he like mouthed off to someone at a traffic stop in like Northern <laughs> Arizona or something. Dave Coulier is like barely in it because he's always auditioning to be the episode of one episode long helper judge of last comic standing <laughs> like he just comes in to help punch up people in the first time they show up in the show and he's like well what you got to do is cut it out yeah you need a hand gesture to go with that joke <laughs> and then your DJ's- name is too easily pronounceable dj plays like an alanis morissette song and she's like this is about her blowing you right you sick pervert (laughs) i love the small facts that everyone thinks they're the only person who understands or knows like like, did you know this song is about we all know we've all been to karaoke (laughs) this one this one is about dave coulier let it rip i say that before every song i sing it yes sings the stars that's what i say he sings the star spangled banner (laughs) this song's about dave coulier that's a pro move at karaoke. Could you imagine? I could imagine. I've lived in I, Brooklyn. I could definitely imagine some. I've seen people do uh, uh, instrumentals <laughs> as like a, a thing that's kind of funny when you realize they're doing it. But then they're up there the entire Frankenstein by Edgar Winter. And then you, <laughs> no. they have to leave. And then the thing is, once you're done with that bit, you're still just in the room with everyone else. Yeah. Even a long instrumental is brutal. That bit would be like that times 10, right? Yeah. I forget what I was singing. I think there, there's a couple songs where I'm like, oh, I, you like, I can get my voice really close to that. I should do that song. And then you go in kind of blind knowing the chorus and you can 
get by in the verses, but then you forgot that there's a 90 second instrumental part. Um, oh, for me, it was Sultans of Swing by Ooh. Dire Straits. I just wanted to say <laughs> Sultans of Swing because that's such a fun thing to say. And then you're just like, oh, there's most of this, no one's singing. That's true. There are a lot of there are a lot of uh, lines in that song that are really fun to say. There's a crowd of young boys that are fooling around in the corner. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. But then once you miss your one cue and then you just no one is loves it. <laughs> you ever, what's the most in the middle of something you've been and realized it's for no one because it's not for you while it's happening and it's not good no one watch it's like sometimes you selflessly do something you don't like because other people enjoy it sometimes you do something that you enjoy and hope other people enjoy it and sometimes you're singing sultans of swing at east side tavern in columbia missouri and no one's happy <laughs> I mine was uh, singing "Don't Stop the Party" by Pitbull in a basement of like twelve people. <laughs> like, oh, this is really just the chorus. I don't know anything else. I don't know what, how we. I, you ever go to like those karaoke rooms where it's either the most fun or least fun you've had that calendar year? Oh yeah. And some no one wants to really let everyone still has like not let their guard down, and so you're no one's having a good time, and we're all sort of kind of taking turns. But one, it's still one person's birthday at midnight, so we have to stay up while we're getting bothered by a server. And I like karaoke. Ooh, I just Charlotte, I just you, remembered that at the rap party for my movie, Tim stopped by. And this was not at a uh, like a karaoke bar, but it was like a production company's office, and they had a karaoke setup. But Tim and I and our friend Nicole Bishop, who produced the movie, wanted to do the Whisper song by the Ying Yang Twins, <laughs> which was not available on the setup that they had. So we just found like a lyric video on YouTube and did it. And um, I believe there were only two mics, and I believe people were pretty uncomfortable with what was happening. But we were having also, a blast. We had a blast, but it was a very narrow room. Yes. So, and and the seats were all on one side of the narrow room, and the karaoke was there. So it's like, it's it would be like doing the whisper song after taking one step to the right <laughs> of a long line of people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. We so just you just imagine you're at the. Imagine you're at the front of a line of people and then you step out and you have a full speaker and you start going, hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. There's something you might like to hear. Uh, all of a sudden, Woody Allen turns around. He's explaining song. to you the how you're supposed to behave while you're in the line singing the whisper song. These people are so rude. <laughs> oh, man. I have to. Okay. I've been meaning to ask you about this for a while. And Char is here. This is such a tangent, but I wrote down on my notes to make sure I ask you about it. But Char is here and can maybe help me remember it. Because I don't remember if I'm remembering this exactly. But the last show... So this is... Like I said, you ever about to do something that's for nobody? I'm literally doing it right now. So, Tim, you were in an improv group called Family Treehouse Boat Accident. Oh, we did a lot of things for nobody. Uh, <laughs> no, you did a lot of things for Shar and I every Sunday. Yeah, that's um, true. And and because I loved it, and Shar loved it, and he got me into coming to see you guys. It's the first time I saw you, and it was you and Seth and Barry. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember Barry's last name or Seth's last name, but I remember everyone's first names. Height and Whiteberg. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very. And so it was so funny, and it would be like a new form of improv, and and sort of like. Even the creation of what the show was going to be about was always fun every week. 
And I remember Seth's last show. Shar, do you remember this? It was I think Seth was leaving but what before anyone else, am I even remembering this correctly? Yeah, well, originally it was me, Seth, and Jordan Klepper, and then yeah. Klepper moved to New York, Barry came in, and then Seth moved to L.A., I forget, like, end of 2010 or something like that? It probably would have been the end of, because that's when I was living in Chicago, would have been, like, just that fall of 2010 and then the most of 2011. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember Seth leaving, and you guys did, like, a form... It, playing off of how the things he hates about improv saying you're going to like emphasize and do all of the things that he hates about him it's so this thing comes up sometimes people ask you what the hardest you've ever laughed is uh-huh. and i will tell people lots of times i think the hardest i've ever laughed at comedy is various things at improv shows but also the least fun i've ever had is also watching improv shows oh, i yeah. just think like stand-up is a smaller spectrum where it's like the greatest stand-up i'm like I love it and I'm enjoying it, but I'm also kind of like, it's closer to what I do. So I'm sort of like in the, I guess the more structural quantitative part of it. But like the funniest stuff I've ever seen is a few improv shows. And also most of the things I've hated the most that I've seen in comedy are also improv just like a bigger swings, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. I mean, this is what primed me to get addicted to Twitter, you know, is showing up either way, whether it's terrible or the best thing I've ever seen. (laughs) But there was something about you. And I've told people this, the funniest thing I've ever seen was that was Seth's last show at the family Treehouse boat accident um, of like you guys. And I don't even know if, if I remember, but basically you and Barry saying before the show, this is Seth's last show. So no matter what we pretend the form is going to be, it's going to be us doing everything Barry hates about improv, which is bad, um, what do you call it with what you're mimicking with your hands? Object work? Yes. Bad. And, and then also um, yeah, okay. just basically like ignoring cues from the other person. And <laughs> so you started this thing and immediately you walked. He established a table. You walked through the table and he knew what was going on. Like that's <laughs> like how in tune with each other everybody was, was you made like one mistake. And he didn't outwardly say, I know what the fuck it, but like. He knew you guys were fucking with him. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I, I, I've just had this like vague recollection, I guess, this entire time. And that's it's a funny... It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I loved the <laughs> people doing comedy being on so the same page that like one cue is off in an unscripted thing and people know something's up. Yeah, it, it weirdly is kind of like uh, like sports. Like people be like, well, how do you rehearse that? Or how do you... And it it, it is like a you know, like athletes going through practice, you know, you just get in tune with like the way that people move, where they want the ball, blah, 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 when they're open. And, uh, we definitely did a ton and those two guys and I, you know, came up through classes together. So we really knew each other and we were on most teams together at a time when the community was small and then got, it got bigger. And that show in particular was a real, it was almost like we got, we got to a point where we're like, okay, well you could do a form and you could try to make the most popular thing or, you could kind of try to do something different every single week and ride the lightning and it's either going to succeed or fail, but that's it. It doesn't exist beyond that. So we, we would come up with a different form based on one of our weeks leading mm-hmm. up to that show. And, um, and I'd say like one out of four, like once a month we'd have a show where I was like, damn top 10 show. And we did this show for five years. And once a month I'd be like, damn top 10 show. And once a month I'd be like, don't like, don't look at me that we failed. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was awful. And we're not going to, we're probably not going to speak for like four days until it's time to check in about next week's form. (laughs) And then two times we'd be like, yeah, that was good. If we tweak this one thing, it probably would be a successful form. And that was every month for five years. 
it was it was really fun and, and interesting and at times frustrating but also very much like a the challenge that we wanted and some people really liked it and there's something that always stuck with me for like what i love about comedy is well i you know i'm doing more stand-up than anything else i actually i'm always like just fascinated that a show happens or i want to like play with like a crowd being there and what the thing that really sticks with me the most is just unwritten rules that everyone agrees upon and uh, some of them that exist in stand-up are like time we know that this all didn't just happen the other day is like a thing you know what i mean the other day and it's like the and then even to the point where the art form has evolved to the point where people will say things like oh seven years ago when i wrote this joke i was at the grocery store and 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 people like laugh and and the fact that we're all sitting there and like (laughs) in this room and that was what i liked about especially how you guys were doing improv was just like um you knew there was an audience you knew that when improv is really great like that it's like a sort of like a high wire thing that it's crazy that we're letting this happen yeah uh, and that doesn't i mean for as much as people knock it the the core principle of of what you know started it i don't know who knows like at some point earlier in the 20th century um was just like walking that high wire and the more that people try to codify it the less they're trying to protect that high wire walk uh, and the connection in the moment and that can yield it, it like raises the basement but lowers the ceiling in my mm-hmm. opinion and what was fun about that show was that the we could fall pretty far on our faces but the ceiling was super high i remember my, my favorite one from that was uh i think once or twice sam richardson sat in because the other guys weren't available i was gonna say char- this is the one that uh, anytime, anytime I think about that show and I think about Char, who, who you ran our tech for what, like three years? Yeah, two or three years, I think. Yeah, um, up until the end. And Sam came to play and, and we were like, you know, we, we never get to play together because we were on different touring companies at Second City and then different stages. And um, I was like, well, what if we just do like one long scene, one, one set? We never get to do that. You don't get to do that in the improv sets at Second City. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. That sounds great. So we started doing this and we were, we were roommates and I was moving out. And then we had this weird moment where like everything changed and it seemed like there was attraction between us. And it, it kind of came out of nowhere. I did not see it coming. And, um, and we paused and, and I thought the pause was like 20 or 30 seconds. And we paused and we kept doing one of those things, like almost in like Meet Joe Black, where like one person turns and looks at the person. Yeah. But they're not looking. And then you turn around and then the other person turns and looks at you. And that kept happening organically over and over and over again. And I thought it was like 30 seconds. Then ultimately we came together and, and we had, we shared this like tender kiss. And, um, and after the show, the show's done. And I'm like, man, that was crazy. And those 30 seconds, they were like electric. <laughs> like we just kept looking back and forth at each other. And, and it just felt so long. And it was like, I can't believe that 30 seconds just felt like that's some of the most intense time I've ever spent on stage, whether it's improv or scripted or, or dramatic work or whatever. And uh, I was like, that's just, I haven't had a 30 seconds like that on stage in a while. And, and Char pauses and he goes, it, it was four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, you guys were silent for four minutes looking back and forth at each other and then you but kissed. The crowd was, it was like an amazing thing where oh, that's I, so funny. Cause the show's typically like I would look to pull lights around between like 35 and 45 minutes or whatever that happened around the like 15 minute mark. 
and I seriously debated pulling the lights because I was like, how's it going to get better than this? Like they are crushing with this like silent look back that it just like, yeah, it played out so organically and perfectly. And I was like, well, I, it's people, whatever. Like I can't do like a half the length of a usual show show. And so by the end, both of them, I mean, an improv, you're not supposed to take off your real clothes, but <laughs> both of you were down to to just your underwear, I think. Or maybe it was just <laughs> you. Um, but uh, no, it was both of us. It was it's one of my Facebook profile yeah, okay, pictures, cool. I think. Yeah. And then like right as the underwear was about to come down, I pulled lights, which was like right at like 40 ish minutes or 45 minutes. But it was this feels like was the like exception the that proves the rule, if that makes sense. Yes, it's like it we've is. all experienced this bizarre thing that could not possibly be forced. Yeah. And, and so we can like live in this thing where we break a couple more rules. And we all know for people that are like skipping 15 or 30 seconds ahead in this because we're talking about an old improv show, I totally understand. <laughs> Don't um, worry, later we're playing a game called Favorite Dreams of the Week. So, uh, <laughs> well, we I got off stage and uh, it was Rob. Who was the house manager back then? Was it Rob Anderson? That like really good looking guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and we get like this guy just looked like a fucking hot model. And we get off stage and, and I, you know, I obviously put my clothes back on and go to the bar to get a drink. And Rob comes up to me and he's like, he's like, by the way, looking really good these days. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) thank you, Rob. (laughs) Oh, I love a compliment is nice. One, one a month and you're, you're all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially like an unprompted one. Oh man, that's fun. Yeah. I have always, this makes me miss it so much. I mean, nothing, I, I don't love, and I say this, and I love that people are listening to the podcast, and I love you guys, and I'm putting so much effort into it, sounding as good as it can, and being as real as it can. This stuff is really hard for me. It's hard for me to have fun over Zoom. It's hard for me to, uh, you know, it's hard for me to like be going along with someone, and then one of us talks, and the other person gets duck-muted by an application, or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? And, it's like, and, and it makes me miss... What I loved even, even like I have an album coming out and I recorded it outside back pre-pandemic. And so I had a packed an audience and someone skateboarded through the album recording. And like, that's <laughs> the stuff that I, I love. A cricket landed in the album recording and you could hear it on the microphone. And I'm like, this is, this is what's fun. The most fun stuff to me is like, we have set all these dominoes up. And I think is maybe what attracted me to... What what I get the most out of stand up is like I can put all this pre planning in, and I am more than happy to throw it out the window the second there's anything that lets me throw it out the window, because we're all sitting in this yard for some reason, and it's weird if we don't talk about how we're, it's weird if a comedian is bombing, if someone is bombing, and you can do it sometime in improv. I see it sometimes, but in stand up, if you're bombing and you bring up that you're bombing, you can get back on track. You, if you don't say, but if you see a comedian who, who, who is bombing and they just keep trooping through, like we're not all there, it's, it makes people in the crowd feel insane yeah. if you don't say how nothing's going well. And sometimes you, if you've seen like an improv thing, someone within a character can kind of like acknowledge how so, like a slight or a rule break or something like that, but not in a way that like is completely interruptive and it can like will make the audience not feel like they're crazy. Well, going back to that table thing, I think what I remember from that moment is I think Seth then reestablished a table or something. And then 
Tim walked on to pick up the table and carry it off stage like an imaginary yeah. thing but it was just such a like fuck you we don't want this table here um, which felt we, very we much that. like outside of the show but in the show at the same time it's just the stuff that I miss so much such an incredible amount we also did that because Seth had Seth had taught many times an object work workshop <laughs> which is like something that you know an animated show would write as a joke if someone's taking an improv class. I I don't remember if it was you or Barry, but one of you was sweeping with like one hand, like, but like this on the floor and he's like correcting your broom. (laughs) And you just think, but what in like the, the anal retentive nature that you have to have for something like that to be like, and now I will, because if I saw someone doing that in real life, I wouldn't be like, you're holding a broom wrong. I probably just wouldn't talk to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that that was all in good fun. I forget how, how we got him to agree to that because we were like, he's not going to like this, um, but it's going to be funny, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that like th- you, there were actual uh, v- personality vectors that like created that conflict, um, and and ultimately like that conflict lives in any kind of dramatic writing, and all the great comedies have that as well. Contrage. I think. Entourage definitely has it. Like I put some of this in here, you know, it's, it's rich people versus poor people that are trying to get big tips. Right. Like, did I pick up a subtext that turtles house sucked? (laughs) Uh, very good. Was that something Uh, you were trying to get across? I just finished reading that Stephen King on writing book and it's, I don't know how he would feel. This is true. I did just finish reading it. Oh yeah. It's just, I I don't know if he resents the fact that almost everyone I know says it's their favorite Stephen King book. Uh, (laughs) he must, he has to, but he has, it's sort of like how everyone says that the shining is the best Stephen King movie and he just fucking hates it. We're like, yeah, but it's great. (laughs) But he talks a lot about forcing theme into stuff versus letting thing theme happen and how far into books and writing he'd been before he tried to like, he realized he was writing theme or character different. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I tried. I've tried to read on writing a couple times, but I always just go back to Tommy Knockers, baby. <laughs> That's my number one. I think the like you bring up that point about uh, about people. I think what's frustrated me, and maybe this will be gone after the pandemic. It won't. Um, but people kind of codifying uh, that, like making fun of improv in a way in Chicago. I think that show almost. Uh, gave people permission to i know a lot of people behave that way but our show was like we're making a different form every single week and the point is like the failure rate is high and i think that subsequent younger generations just kind of embraced that failure rate and we're like we're gonna laugh at it openly while we're doing it and i'm like that okay weirdly it it sounds dumb you know you sound like a like a moderate republican being like whoa this is too far now (laughs) a bridge too far (laughs) it's Uh, a real like get off my lawn type of thing yeah (laughs) i'm i'm an improv nimby um (laughs) but to me i I was like yeah that is a bridge too far like I, i the commitment of it was always what was funnier and what raised the possibility of the ceiling of a show the hardest and um you know uh I don't know. It, it feels like flopping in sports, you know, where you're like, if you get run over and, and in basketball and, and, you know, you get an offensive foul called on the, your opponent, that's great, man. That's good. You shouldn't be able to get run over. But if you're just flopping nonstop and the crowd and you're getting all the foul calls, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel similarly point. in stand up when people yeah, what say is that that's in stand up. This is a new one. This one's, this one's about to be new. Uh, or, and, 
I, I just I, I always call it like self handicapping, uh, which is like a, a, where you're just if you talk about how bad it's going to be the whole time it's about to be bad, it can't really go bad. It's like a wall that's put up, and I associate it with, and it's maybe unfair. I associate it's it mostly with the alt comedy scene because as much as my comedy doesn't align with a lot of people who say work the store like Jeremy Piven or something. That dude will go up and commit like all of his jokes or, and like tell them all like maybe to a fault like this is funny this is funny I think this is good I think this is good but Wait, sometimes so, like so Jeremy Piven he does do comedy he is a comedian I think he started doing I mean yeah I think he does stand up I've never actually seen it I'm just I'm painting with a wide brush but he does stand up wow wow I didn't see I didn't know anything now it seems like I don't know anything about anyone on entourage period <laughs> well yeah some people say stand-up's pretty the goods okay that's another reference to a Jerry Piven movie um no it's but, but some lots of times and I would see it especially with like alt, alt comedy scene it's so crazy it's like a lots of times the stand-up happening at UCB or something like that where people are like well this one's not worked out or well this is sort of a new thing kind of like this and and it's like everyone under but still give it your go and even if you have to say that maybe after or like something but if you set it if you you're saying like you're saying if you're lowering the ceiling super super far then you'll feel okay when you fill the room but it's this tiny room that you've built so yeah, so it seems like because I I don't see a ton of stand up uh, or that like sounds all, amazing whatever all stand up, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> this is like the insiders put this one behind the paywall. People don't need to listen. To this one. <laughs> oh, I would love a wall <laughs> if anyone had the money to be on either side of my wall. Look, if there's one thing you take from me today, it's build that. <laughs> don't build even want that, that sound clip. Wall, uh, but the. Uh, um, so it sounds like in the transitions between jokes or the setups before even the setup of the joke is where a lot of standups um, are, are doing that kind of work. Yeah, I, I don't know, yeah, what, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> it. I guess it sort of depends on who it is. Some people are so structured and so polished. Like if even if you don't know like Mitch Hedberg, he, his, he has like 700 words on an album or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this... I, for my album, I am doing a lyrics insert to the vinyl, uh, like how old records used to have, and it's 12 pages, nine point font. <laughs> <laughs> and every uh and yeah and um and okay is in there, and I'm very, uh, like, half a second to half a second. I'm not looking ahead. I'm not looking back. And so it's very, it's not stream of consciousness, but a little, little bit like that is Char was there. And you know what I mean? It was polished for me, but it was not, you couldn't have put any of it on like a television show because it wasn't polished like that. Well, I just kind of wanted to capture what it would be like if you sort of like saw me trying hard one night. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, not everything also we're increasingly like, you know, comedy's also just as susceptible to hypercapitalism. Um, improv has definitely seen it and sketch in the, like the comedy schools and the way that they've kind of adapted and how everyone uses it as a career. It's weird to have started taking classes in like the year 2000 or 2001 and go in very much like, you know, pie in the sky, idealistic, you know, maybe I could do this and, and make a living just doing stage work. Like that's now, like that's insane. It's insane. Yeah. People, people, you can't like, who can do that? And, um, it's, it's pushed us all to this point where like everyone has to be geared towards a, 
like one specific goal and one specific style or styles that are maximized to achieve success in furthering that goal. And that's just, there are so many different types of comedy and ways to do things and ways to laugh that is what that variety is what made us all fall in love with it. And then the further you go, the more you're like, huh, I really need to learn these valuable marketing lessons. I know sometimes, and I mean this in no ill will towards anyone who does this, but I'm just like, I guess I got to make a character at the front facing camera and be like a dad who bought two coolers at Walmart <laughs> or something like that. Well, and there's some people who I'm... are so incredibly funny at this and so Honestly. good at like the succinct wrap up of these of like a cartoon or a caricature. But yeah. I am not I am very worried in this in my heart of hearts that what I like, which is large scale domino setting up in a live, not like actual dominoes, although that would be tight as hell. I used to have one of those little cars that would supposedly set them up and while it drove, but it didn't work. Uh, but like for me, it's like a pre- pre-production to then let it become chaos feels like it might not exist anymore. Like the live version of this podcast is eight or nine people on stage reading a script that they've never seen before, uh, reading script they've never even read before all together and riffing throughout it. And I'm just like, there's really I don't know if that's going to happen outside the Rose Bowl anytime soon. Yeah, which and I mean this is the argument for UBI. Um <laughs> like honestly, people art is increasingly uh the this Emma Thompson quote that I'm that I'm bastardizing, art is increasingly the playground for the rich. Um which means that art increasingly becomes you know, through the lens of people that can afford to do it. And there's way less of them than people who can't afford to do it. And we lose those lenses uh, and perspectives, which is like a bummer. I I don't know, man. My, my dad did theater in like the 60s and 70s, and it sounds like the greatest time ever. Uh, his, you know, just being able to actually commit to something like that and do it earnestly. Um, it's shocking to me that certain people are are turned off by that. I I fondly look back to 2010. I mean, now (laughs) where I'm just like, isn't it great? Because I I do think while stand-up will be able to maybe find its thing, I don't know if what I like doing, which is stand-up and, and I really don't know if the next time improv will be anything like what it used to be because it is improv is almost a bomb in a room in a movie. Do you know what I mean? And you know it's there, and I don't know if you could be doing that outside in a baseball field i do know i did it in college no one likes it (laughs) (laughs) it was for orientation for freshmen but there's just something about having to be you feel like you're in this box with these people that this thing is happening and it's like a magic little box and i i I don't know the next time anything's going to feel like that again well obviously like there needs to be a vaccine which is probably like a year away um, but I also think that a ton of work has been done uh, by groups that were traditionally excluded from all these institutions to lay out a framework um, once things can resume that will make uh, a lot of these institutions more inclusive, uh, more equal, sharing equity. And if they can detach that from the capitalist structures that all of these either uh, were created with or were forced to adapt because yeah. that was the way to market and get more students, then it's got a shot. Um, again, if you're skipping ahead, uh, I'm almost done talking about improv. Uh, <laughs> we're just waiting uh, but, for Shar to cut the lights. Yeah, but but I do think... <laughs> Next laugh. 
I do think like there are better frameworks that have been put out over the last like four or five months. Um, and hopefully if it does come back, like those can be put into place. Uh, I mean, uh, I hope so. I hope that it, I mean, there's ways to open up for these other points of view, because if, if art is a, is a playground for the rich, it's because you yourself, Kyle. They, did I, did I mute myself? Or did I freeze? Uh, you were still talking. I, I could see your mouth moving. I just couldn't hear you. Am I still talking now? Yeah, I can hear you. Can now you hear me, right? Yeah. What, basically, yeah. like, you know, if you, either you start because you're rich and you can afford to not have to work 45 hours a week in addition to, like, pursuing something, or you're a business that's forced to adapt to stay open in these places, um, and hopefully there's ways to get around that so we can get more points of view when it all comes back. Now, is Tim frozen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I can't wait till it's live again. <laughs> well, this is um, that chaos, baby. This is the. This is it. And not only did he freeze, but I'm taking a screenshot of what he froze <laughs> as, because it looks like his computer's falling backwards over the other side <laughs> of. Um, yeah. I don't even know if I can take a break because of how this recording software is set up. He's back. He could also start um, prefacing every podcast or just like throughout every podcast being like, I've, I've never recorded this podcast before. This is a new one. Uh, I've never recorded this episode <laughs> Tim, before. Tim, are you back? I'm back. Yeah. Anyways, I was just I was just I, I was just giving out sacks of money to everyone on the podcast, <laughs> but I think you just missed it. Uh, but they had little dollar signs on them and I was just Venmoing everyone. I said, just put the thumbs up reaction on your Zoom. Um, and we'll do it. This is. This has been yeah, nice. I, I mean, it's, 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 I, I, I just, I get so, I miss it so much and doing anything in person. I miss it so much. This is like a microcosm of that is doing like these sort of things that of course I miss a podcast in person, but God, do I miss like, uh, uh, seeing, I always want to just put on something you can only have seen if you came that night. Yeah. It's special whether it's good or not. Yeah. And, and that's. I mean, that's, that's what drew me to both of you guys. I think that was what attracted me and made me want to be friends with y'all and enjoy your work. And I definitely, uh, even prior to the pandemic, I was having a hard time finding that in Los Angeles. <laughs> a lot of the shows I was going to, it was because people are so, that like the capitalism that you were talking about, uh, like within comedy, it's like people are so desperate to prove like this is an easily understandable packaged thing that you can buy and put on TV right now. The frustrating amount of conversations I've had with people who could improve or open a door or gate or to something in my career who have said, well, your Instagram post could look a little more like, or if you consistently post this thing was funny, do it like this, uh, do that every day or something like this. And I was like, well, you just, you can't, and now I can't even show my frustration in this meeting or you won't talk to me ever again. Um, but just the trooping and the continuing and the forwarding, right? I think we'll oh, come man. back. Uh, yeah, I mean, we will. And and those lessons aren't, they're like, they're not terrible. I remember having someone who's like seven, eight years older than me from Chicago being like, I wish I'd known all these things. Are you fucking kidding? Don't complain about this stuff. And me being like, oh, yeah, I'm just saying sometimes self-promotion can get a little tedious and soul-sucking i think lots and, of times about that snl sketch that anna dresden wrote about women in acting um where they're having a round table and obviously we're all speaking i'm not even speaking from that point of view as a woman but it's sort of like two real 
actresses are in this like round table and then Kate McKinnon plays like a 85 year old actress and the two women will be like well I've I, I've been pressured into uh, having to dress scandalous to get in this thing and they talk about with it and then it gets like Kate McKinnon she's like 80 and she's like I was legally a prop until 1974 <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I sat on a table next to a stuffed chimp and they would come and pick me up and set me down on the set <laughs> <laughs> it's like we can still keep making progress but it's it, sometimes you do feel like a little I'm like yeah it, it, it's been worse but um all I right think, yeah we gotta do we got a couple games we gotta play i don't want to keep everyone here um uh we too gotta long. play these first games. thing i wanted to do and we've only done a couple what i want to do so you're on righteous gemstones i'm throwing you at something right here which is so funny i loved it so much oh, um you play bj barnes what would his? I know people. People know what guests we're about to have on the show, and so you've. Anyways, what would his favorite movie be? Ooh, ooh, that's a great question. Oh man, um, I mean, I think it'd be like. All right, I'm gonna say The Lake House, starring Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> this is so crazy. This is it's not crazy, but the comedies like that, and there's something about these. Uh, the the speci- specific like Danny McBride comedies are really good at sensitive men roles does that make sense and you're you're really great on the show and it's some what happens a lots of times in 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 these types of comedies is what the ones i love is the depth of the characters like unveiled very quickly like four or five episodes in yeah and so well bj is sort of like uh uh his wife his fiance's fiance most of the time then eventually you're just like but this whole thing unveils that he's like maybe a democrat and like or at least a little liberal and like Uh fairly sensitive guy and so i always wonder i'm like oh that's the guy i went to high school with oh for sure i mean i i try sometimes i'll like if i'm having like a dark moment or i wake up at 2 30 in the morning uh in the hour of the wolf you know and all my defenses are down and my negative thoughts are attacking me i'll be like Am I him in real life? <laughs> was uh, I that? Was I that guy? I mean, it's, it's just a very funny show, and I don't want to be like, "Here, Tim's on this, and this is funny, and he's good," but it is great and it's funny, and I know people. It's not if you guys don't know what's on. Let me look up what the name of the network is again. Uh, Channel eighteen when I was growing up, but we didn't come in for us unless I was holding the rabbit ears right on a Friday. Um, but no, it's it's so funny, and specifically, I just I know a lot of it. The show appeals to me in, in a specific way because I grew up in like mega church country in Missouri. I dated yeah. a girl whose father was a mega church pastor and once picked me up and made me read a chapter from the case for Christ before he would get her so we could go to the movies. And um, so even like a, a le- I would say he's like a less capitalistic, more uh, horrifically judgmental. Uh, <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, BJ, this is like 80 dudes I went to school with. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, oddly enough, I'm one of the most probably uh, I come from probably one of the most religious backgrounds in the cast. And yet I'm playing the one who's kind of like the least religious among mm-hmm. everyone in the cast. Although, obviously, they're all like hypocritical characters um, and people in like my, life. You're saying all the actors are hypocrites and <laughs> yeah, I don't, they're all playing themselves. You know I mean? <laughs> we're gonna, eventually we're going to hand Adam Devine a script, but not yet. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, I definitely, like, I could sympathize with that character because I, I grew up in, uh, like, you know, kind of central Illinois-ish area. And 
there's a lot of churches. There's a lot of different kind of church communities. There's a lot of pressure to be in church communities. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think I, I like I made myself good at sports in order to fit in, not consciously, just because that's what you did. And I had good hand eye coordination. And then I think I made myself I realized that I could make my teammates laugh so that if I was good or not, um, it didn't really matter. And yeah. then that became like, a, 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 as I didn't hit my growth spurt while they did, cause I didn't hit mine until I was like 16. I think I was like, well, I guess I'm the funny guy because <laughs> right. these guys are, these guys are dunking and, uh, I can barely touch the net. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's kind of where I came from was just like a, what do I, how do I behave to where people still want me around? Like, what can I do to be, and the people are mad that I'm mad that I'm here taking up space in like a right. very like Midwestern guilt ridden type of way. Yeah. Cause you're in like a monoculture. So you have to figure out how you serve that monoculture. And I think it wasn't until I went away to college that I understood the full extent of that. And then I'm like, Oh it, no, people like all kinds of things. My hometown right. uh, just had like, you know, was overwhelmed by these certain themes. Uh, yeah. I started to realize like, Oh, everyone who kind of liked the stuff I liked left. That's why I didn't know any of them there. Yeah. Oh, but here they drain. are in the places I've left to brain drain is real. Yeah. In so many towns. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at least it'll all get better. November 4th. Um, <laughs> I'm so worried. I'm so worried. I don't know how to upload podcasts in Canada. Uh, I don't know if Dropbox is a different link. I can't learn this stuff. I don't know if the internet's good. Dropbox.ca. I'm fucked. <laughs> I was just talking to some Canadian comedians on the show the other day, and they were talking about how hard it is to stream stuff, and I can't go out and have to find, you know, the night of when I want to catch up on the miniseries. Uh, <laughs> is how much fascism can I put up with for the ease of smart TVs? It's a lot more is the answer. <laughs> Okay, we're going to play a quick game, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, this game here is called uh, Guess What Movie Trailer Kyle's Dad is Describing, Having Only Watched the Trailer and Never Having Heard okay. of the Movie. This, so how this game works is uh, I'm going. My dad watched the movie trailer. He will describe the trailer. You have to guess what movie trailer he is describing. Um, I don't know if Shar's ever heard of the movie, but I'm going to say 60/40 chance he's heard of it. Five percent chance he's seen it. So here we go. Are, are you ready, Tim? Yeah. Okay. So he looks really young for his age. He sends some letters and now gets this job that earns a grand. I wonder why someone writing about them makes them the enemy. He's not 17 or 16. He's a 15-year-old journalist. His mom doesn't like this adventure he's on. He wants to know what these guys love about music. All right, I think we got some thumb Hopefully, ups. Their plane yeah. doesn't crash. What do we think? Almost famous people. It is almost famous. Really yes. Good job. Good job. At the very Let's beginning, roll one more. I was going to guess Benjamin Button after that first line. <laughs> <laughs> almost all of them come off like Benjamin Button. It's the weirdest part of the game. The first two parts of every movie trailer is Benjamin Button. All right, what do we get on a scale of one to ten? How difficult a one do we want to do here? Well, where would I you mean, rank give that? Us a, 
That would be like a two. <laughs> I call that a pretty easy one. Oh, I go above seven. Let's see right, how here hard we go. it gets. Let me uh, start. Here we go. This one's a pretty, hopefully, difficult one. Okay. He wants them a little closer together. The photo fell to the ground. He's talking really, really fast. They keep cutting back to the photo. The wife is leaving him. All of the best chefs are men, apparently. <laughs> he told his dad all of the moms were there before him. Back to the photo of the three of them again. They're briefly in court. The kid's riding his bike. They both love him. <laughs> Ratatouille? <laughs> I would say this one's a nine. Oof. Uh, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban? <laughs> we are looking for Kramer v. Kramer. Oh, my God. The movie we all think about that's on the forefront of our brains all the time. Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> the moms all got there before him. <laughs> oh, if you guys are listening and you want to play a bunch of them, kyleairs.com slash dad. I uploaded them all on there and you can play uh, the game. They're all labeled so you can play as the host of the game, I guess, with someone else. Has, has he done the lake house? I got to hear that. <laughs> no, I don't think he has. I wonder what the closest to the lake house that he's done is. Um, let me go to kyleairs.com slash dad now. Um, Real quick, have you guys seen the lake house? I have not. Yes, I have. I've seen it five times, four times on a plane, and then once about a month into the pandemic, I begged Lily, my fiance, <laughs> to watch it, and she, and she agreed. Um, just as one of those things you do with your partner, to be like, mm -hmm. I'm laughing through the whole thing, watching your reaction, and it might be funnier if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always fun to do something with a partner where you're like, I need you to feel the proper way about this and i'm not going to tell you what that is <laughs> oh and don't worry it's art <laughs> there's a right or wrong way for you to feel about art on three let's spend 90 minutes <laughs> oh man yeah I, i've seen the lake house i think it came out at the like summer after i graduated high school and it was like a we went and saw type of movie and uh, that's really all I remember was Keanu Reeves. And I remember Sandra Bullock having like a very young person hair and Keanu Reeves also having a young person hair. And uh, that's it. <laughs> the guy, um, the guy who plays Keanu Reeves, little brother in the movie is the guy who ends up eating Allison Williams ass <laughs> in the season opener of girls <laughs> season five. Uh, and I remember this because it that episode came out the same week that Allison Williams' dad, Brian Williams, got busted for lying about the Iraq War <laughs> mm -hmm. and how he'd been in a helicopter. I do remember that. Like that was cr a crazy lie, like a Ranazisi sized lie. <laughs> oh yeah, and I kept thinking, like, what was dinner at the Williams household <laughs> like that week, where they're like, "Hey, Dad, thanks for ruining your career and like our family's legacy," and him being like, "Hey, Allison, you got your ass eaten by this like." <laughs> wannabe Mumford and Son on Prime Premium Cable. What are she's, you talking about? She, she had to have been like, but did you actually watch it? <laughs> 
did you actually watch Girls? And he's like, no, I've actually never even had HBO before. Uh, I just always thought it would be a better story if I watched Girls. When do the lies end, Dad? <laughs> uh, I'm actually not your dad. Did you guys watch that? It's a really jarring opening to a premium cable show. Oh, oh yeah. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. It's like in front of the kitchen sink. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, you know, it, you got to make you got to have that montage for when you're back. Everyone's back. Like the shows I, would do where they all walk back in and sort of high five. That was their equivalent. I tried to write that kind of um, intensity uh, and sexuality into my entourage script. As though this was season four, episode one, and the boys yeah. are back in town. I mean, you got your yeah. foot in the door at HBO. I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to slide this in and say, listen, let me bring it back. Let me. Guys. I. This is another script where we finished it, and we are done now. And all I wanted to do, all I wish I knew how to make a cartoon so bad. Because I think it would be so fun. Especially like if they were all like... Uh, how famous people look on South Park, like how Saddam Hussein looked on South Park. That's the type of animation quality I would like to bring this. But it takes those two millionaires a week to do it. I can't do it. It takes them famously historically a week. And they have computers. <laughs> that's the future, though. If you're living in Canada, that's what you're going to need to do. Right. I'm going to have to detach the top half of my head from the bottom half of my head once I flee the country. <laughs> uh, but it's practical. They'll fix it there for free. And so that's the good part. Uh, thank Tim, thank you for having never seen Entourage and coming on here with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, Shar, thank you for coming on here with us and having seen, in the rare occasion where you have seen the thing. Yeah, of all the things that I have not seen in the world, somehow I found time to watch every episode of Entourage growing up. <laughs> Tim, we'll have you come back on and do The Bachelor one of these times. Yeah, um, absolutely. I would love that. to. Do you have anything you want to tell people about? Any Tim projects? I mean, Righteous Gemstones still streaming on HBO, uh, which is great. Shrink is still streaming on the NBC website and app. That's an I love the, Shrink as well. Uh, Thanks. Yes. That was that was a fun Chicago themed project. Um, I hope maybe it'll be on Peacock someday. They own it. I don't know why. Uh, I'll sidebar about that another time. <laughs> um, have me back on, and I'll just write uh, scripts for CISO shows that uh, that uh, you oh, can't yeah. find online. That's for anymore. our Patreon show called CISO Um Thing Say So Um Thing. Uh, <laughs> you can come back on and do that. Um, and if you can get to know Tim from one thing, please watch the episode of Better Call Saul. He's in where he invents a toilet that makes boys feel nice when they pee. Uh, I think about it a lot. <laughs> you know, I I broke that toilet on the third take. I did. I pulled the tarp off of it and the rivet caught on the top of the toilet and it flipped it over and it shattered. And Bob Odenkirk was like, fuck. It's like such an insanely specific prop. It, as far as famous seats, I put it up there with the chair George Clooney made in Burn After Reading. Uh, <laughs> but thank you guys very much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, that that is it for us. That is it. Thank you so much for listening, Tim and Char, just two of my favorite people. That was very nice. Um, once again, I just want to reiterate, please, if you can, if you're listening to this, check out my album, Happiness. It comes out October 16th. That's the day after this episode comes out. Um, so maybe even now. It could be out, probably is out now. But if you listen to this the moment the pod comes out, it's out tomorrow. Friday, October 16th. 
you can pre-order it now, kyleairs.com, or just find it, Spotify, Amazon, I can't remember the names, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever they're doing. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. Please check out my album. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. Find us online. Never seen it show, Twitter and Instagram, all that jazz. Thank you. Star Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.